Tell me something now, boy Just hurting me and leaving me give you joy Hello, it's Harrison. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already, preferably five stars. But um, yeah, please do five stars. Thank you. Um, follow us on Spotify and check out our Instagram. Take a screenshot um, of you listening now, share it on your story, tag the podcast account. Anyway, I'm probably rambling on now. So it's time for the episode. Enjoy. So I wrote it in a song. You'll never find anyone better. I guess nothing lasts forever And believe me now I've moved on, I don't know Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of It's Good To Talk. Today I am joined by Nikki Lilly, a British charity campaigner and presenter. You were awarded an International Emmy Kids Award in 2019 for your episode in CBBC's My Life. She is the youngest ever recipient of the BAFTA Special Award. Um... An organisation I'm definitely familiar with, obviously with BAFTA. Um, She then won the Child of Courage Award at the Pride of Britons in 2016. Um, She has over 1.7 million followers on TikTok, um, 272,000 followers on the gram and 1.1 million subscribers on YouTube with over 84 million views to date. She is featured on CBBC on My Life, her own show, Nikki Lily Meets. She's interviewed big names such as David Walliams, Jacqueline Wilson, Claudia Winkleman, Nicole Scherzinger, Theresa May, Toff, Katie Piper and so many more. In 2016, she won the Junior Bake Off and then set up the Butterfly AVM charity to raise funds for research into her condition. We're going to chat to Nikki about all of her achievements right now, so please welcome Nikki Lilly onto the show. Nikki, I mean, that just says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Saying it all together is quite crazy. I was just like, uh-huh. oh, like it is insane when you think about it. Um, yeah, speechless, really. It is Very- crazy. Does it sometimes feel like we're talking about a different person? Do you forget that's actually you? Oh, massively. I think also because when I first like started my channel, like mm-hmm. it's basically come from me starting my channel. Yeah. When I started. It, I was literally just this, like, little eight-year-old girl in my room filming on our family iPad, like, yeah. just of me just kind of, like, rambling on about stuff that didn't make sense. <laughs> the fact that that has led to where I am today is insane. Mm. Really, it's kind of like, how did that happen? You know, I know. It's so crazy to think how I've got from that to where I am now and what I've achieved. A hundred percent, it must be. And I guess a lot of the time with your condition and stuff, it, it, it may be um, something that's looked down upon like a negative, but actually you managed to found complete success and positive out of something and turned a negative into a positive, sw- switched it around. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think in life, it's, you know, I think it's really what I've learned since having my condition is yeah. you have to make most of the cards that you're dealt with. You know, always going to be someone in a harder situation than you and someone in a better situation than you mm-hmm. but your situation is unique to you and you just have to yeah really and that's what I've kind of tried to do I think the hardest thing as well is when you start comparing it to other people yeah. and thinking oh but uh, should I be worrying about this because there's people who've got it a lot worse than me but so you've just got to take what you've got yeah. and and work with that I mean I I'd, again I'd never compare but I've got autism which is obviously a hidden disability and 
like you have with yours we have been able to overcome that and actually push that to a side and and overcome that um that can be seen as like a barrier in a way so i think it is what everyone's got their own struggles and um, and it's just about overcoming yours yeah and i think it's so important with things like that to obviously see it as a and what makes you you but don't let it define because there's more and you know yeah and it's just so important to not let your hardship and the barriers that you're faced with stop you from doing what you still want to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think if if you let that be your main catch, your main target, it becomes that you're almost taking advantage of something that shouldn't be, but you should be using that in a positive way as opposed to yeah. trying it's to fun. gain it. I mean, when I started looking for people to come on the podcast when it was a lot smaller, you know, four series ago, which is mad, you know, people would, um, you'd kind of think, is it, is it fair to include that I've got autism? Because actually on one side, it's like, it's very inspirational that someone with autism been able to overcome that and do it. But then at the same time, you don't want to use that to be your main point. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. It's kind of finding that balance. Yeah, because you want it to be... Because it is amazing what you've done. Like, I was, I messaged you, I think, last week? Or, I don't remember, but I was listening to your podcast, and I messaged you, and I was listening to it, because I just wanted to see what it was like. And uh-huh. it was good. Like, I felt oh, thank you. Ghost in it. And then, like, I read a bit about you, and realised, you know, all the things that you've had to cope with. It, it's just amazing. And so, you want to, you know, I like, with my videos, I try and incorporate my condition, because mm-hmm. it's a... Yeah. So, don't want that to be your only defining factor Mm, 100% I agree as well I think that the things that I'm doing and that you're doing that people are doing now are actually bigger than that that's actually not the main main part in my life anymore um it may have started out as that as that being the main point but actually it's turned into something where this is my job and my career it's not got anything to do with my my hidden disability and the same with you I'm sure it started off as something you're using because of that and now you've used that to just voice it on a bigger platform no definitely that is I think that's it and sometimes you need that thing to spur you on because otherwise we probably wouldn't have what we're doing and so in a way obviously it comes with a lot of hardship but Mm. you have to see it the way that it kind of was the catalyst that made you start doing this because otherwise I definitely know that I wouldn't have started making Mm. videos yeah I mean I also like to believe that everything happens for a reason as well So I think, you know, I've been born as this body and I I, I am who I am for a reason and you have to kind of roll with that. Um, How have you been in lockdown? How have you been keeping yourself busy? What have you been doing? What have you been watching? Tell me about it. Oh, um, so when lockdown first started, yeah, quite busy, but I also didn't really mind it. I'm very much, it's kind of hard to believe because... I seem like quite an extrovert, but I'm very much introverted. Like, I choose, like, a night in, just, like, watching Netflix overnight out, like, yeah. And, um, and so at the beginning of lockdown, it, I, it didn't feel... I felt like for a lot of people, it felt like it was almost in a mm. like, environment and things like that. Yeah. Whereas it's too bad, because I've always spent my life at... Yeah. which was super crazy it kind of came on quite last minute but although it was hectic and stressful because my dad was the cameraman my mum was almost like the food technician waiting out there <laughs> doing the walking stuff it was kind of a nice thing 
on themselves of I've got this time and I need to use it and I need to do everything and be working 24-7 and do everything I needed to do but it's like it's actually okay to just take a day to just watch something let's use this for for mental and self-care as well um but for me I definitely thought my priority was the fact that I'm at school for six seven you know hours five days a week we're out at the weekends, you know, my brother's got football, so you find that that takes up half a day, and then you find that you actually don't have much time to record podcasts and do stuff like that in the week. And also, because a lot of guests will say no because they're doing this, that, and the other, but actually people have got time to do stuff like this now. Um, So that, I thought I'm going to use this to really go for that, and it it has turned itself around very quickly, you know, I've now been able to... Um, I think I've done this will be the third series that I've done just in lockdown that's insane which is mental because I did one series and it started off really really cool and that was at the start of the year so I, I did a series last year but I, I didn't fully publish everything because it was more about learning the skills and getting used to the talking style yeah getting used to the talking style learning the editing learning how to do, you know, I think with a lot of podcasts, when people start, it's very question answer, question answer. Whereas, as you'll tell with us already, it's just about having a conversation. Um, yeah. When I, when I like literally meet, I yeah. very much ask a question and answer. And yeah. I, I've done around three series, three series, I think three. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is literally just about having a chat. And I feel like yeah. you're almost out of it when you have a chat. Yeah. Rather- 
Mm. And I used to also plan the podcast well in advance, like yeah. literally two months in advance. And then I'd think, why am I doing this? Like I could just do it half an hour before. And like with our one today, I planned it about midday. I got up, I didn't rush, just had a shower, got ready and, you know, looked online and made notes of things, but I didn't make strict questions yeah. because then it becomes into something where you feel like you've got to stick to it. And um, when I went to BAFTA, when the, the first time that I um, was at BAFTA, my first interview ever was with Dick and Dom. So to yeah. go from never interviewing anyone before to going to that, it was quite a big jump. Yeah. And um, that was that that was so much fun. But even watching that back, it was very, how are you? Good. Next question, next question, next question. And I look at it, I go, what was I doing? But how much you grow as well. Yeah. Without even realising as well. Just yeah. when you look back, you've just slowly kind of brought that on. And when I did, um, I, I think, so I did one with um, Neil the baby from Gavin and Stacey. I did a podcast with him at the very start of the year. And that was really, really fun because I love Gavin and Stacey. And then, um, <laughs> then, then to kind of build it up, and I did with Chloe Lee from The Dumping Ground. And then... I did, um, and then it got to like Sean from The Circle, and he's an influencer, and that came on very quickly, that was the quickest turnaround it's ever been, I was on her Instagram live, and she was just adding people, just to chat to her to, on the Instagram live, and it was literally about nine at night, and she just added me, and I was like, and I was just like, hi, and I thought, I'm going to use this time, and just say, will you come on my podcast, so I literally just asked her, and she was like, yeah, definitely, I'll do it tomorrow, so I was like, okay, so literally, from you know talking to her on live one day, the next day we were recording the podcast, and that's when it got intense. That's when then Dad V Girls came on, and um, loads of other guests. And I'm gonna, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe it'll be announced by now. I'll have to see if I got bleep this out. But um, Anastasia Kings North is coming on. She'll be the episode after you. I, I, yeah, I saw you did the like, magazine with her, didn't you? And yeah. I, I absolutely love her videos. When I found out she was coming on, I was literally like, whoa. Um, so she'll be the, she'll hopefully be the episode after you. And then I've got Sapphire, who's a singer. Oh, um, yeah. And then, who else have I got? Katie Thistleton, who um, is on Radio 1. Yeah. <laughs> um, people lined up. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be great. Can't wait to listen to those ones. There's some cool ones coming. And I think that's when it kind of hit that I was like, I'm actually now talking to people that I look up to. Obviously, I've watched you, I've seen you. And when you won the BAFTA, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And obviously working for BAFTA, I've seen all that kind of come together. And then, and 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 now actually talking to these people that I love to watch and stuff like that, it's, it is a real like pinch yourself moment, isn't it? It's like a moment. You've gone from like watching these people to yeah. people that you watch. yeah. Uh, it is absolutely mad um so overall lockdown would you say it's been a positive kind of experience for you i would obviously i do have days where i massively miss my friends yeah it's made me realize um how much kind of like social interaction and things like hugs and just yeah. your friends and family actually mean there's nothing like a hug you know yeah um, Yeah, I'd agree as well. I'm definitely very lucky and grateful for 
what cards I've been dealt with in this situation and I personally haven't got the virus I, I'm very lucky in that sense um, yeah. from a health perspective um, I've been very safe and so is my family so very lucky from that point so that's why I thought I'll entertain the nation <laughs> um, I, I, it's been great <laughs> um, so for the people who aren't aware of um, your condition it's AVM can you tell us a bit about what AVM is um, to the people who don't know anything about what it is sure so Arteriovenous malformation, <laughs> a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> Basically, so all over your body, you have arteries, capillaries, and veins. Yeah. Um, your blood pumping all around your body. Um, and so in between your arteries and veins, you have capillaries. So your veins kind of pump blood at low flow, and arteries pump blood at high flow. So right. Your capillaries is kind of like the middleman almost. That kind okay, of. Okay, yeah. Because one's low and one's high. Yeah. But right side of my face um, behind my right eye and the top of my head on the right side and my jaw I don't have the capillaries where they need to because of right. that my arteries and veins which causes me to have um, really bad headaches um, swelling veins to appear on the side of my face and pain and just tiredness and things like that mm. um, so I you're usually born with an AVM um, but it Kind of, you can literally live years and not know you have it, and it can just uh, start being active from any age. So, right. age of um, six, I was just a normal kid, looked normal, uh, no different to anyone else. And then at six is when I noticed some veins on the side of my face, had a bit of pain, and it really just quite quickly kind of skyrocketed in terms of development from there. And you can get an AVM um, anywhere on your body. It kind of is slightly like a tumor. It grows in the way but it's sort of different where it might go to a different part of your body but it can grow in this region that it's in so there's currently no cure because it's very rare so mm. where the placement of mine is affects three million so it's pretty rare yeah right. um and obviously it's got a lot of physical effects um yeah. which um are visible and some that aren't visible that are you know inside your body but I'd be really interested to know actually how mentally that's had effects on you. Um, not even with any kind of online bullying or trolling or anything like that, but actually within yourself and how you yeah. felt body confidence wise and stuff like that. How has it actually mentally been affecting you? I love that question. <laughs> so I think sometimes I almost feel a little bit of pressure to always sort of convey how I cope with my condition in a positive way because people are always like oh, are you so confident I could never put myself out there things like that mm. I kind of see it as like I'm not talking to an audience I'm talking to a phone screen so I don't really see it right yeah I've had a lot of issues I'm quite an insecure person um I um like a overthinker and I've dealt mm. quite a lot with confidence issues and I still do a teenager that looks different and um, someone that puts herself out there on social media yeah. is, um, and I constantly feel myself kind of automatically comparing myself to other girls my age uh, have a condition that's visible 
Um, and it's kind of like, I don't mean to, but you also can't compare it. It's like a thing in your head, I think, that everyone has, that you just, you kind of automatically compare yourself to other people. So, yeah, that has been hard for me. I think as I've grown up, is I, I've become more aware that I look different. Uh, uh-huh. as um, and I think being in and out of hospital, you know, I've had 82 operations at most, most of my primary school from six years old up. Um, mm-hmm. My year six was like 18% up, 100%. So I rarely got school. I had to grow up very quickly. So I often feel like sometimes I can't really relate to people my own age. And sometimes I feel like... Right. I kind of almost get on better with adults because I spent most of my life with adults in hospital and mm. by adults. Um, and so sometimes that's hard because sometimes I feel like I can't relate to a lot of problems that um, I feel like young people my age sort of are worrying about, you know, my problems. You know, obviously people have their own problems behind closed doors, but mm. I feel like a lot bigger sometimes than like, oh, does this boy like me? You know, I can't really like, I can't... I don't feel like I can sort of, um, I, I, I can't really relate to that almost. Um, and it's been hard, it has been hard. I've often felt like I've missed out on a lot. I felt my childhood was kind of taken away from me and I didn't really have that experience of being able to grow up. And so I, I the way I see it is kind of like, obviously I've been able to do so much, but my childhood was basically taken away from me. I never really got that. Um, I missed a lot of parties. I missed a lot of things that I would have wanted to do. As a, I was a very active child, so um, I literally did every single activity. I did boys football team. I primary school. I did championing, gymnastics, stuff like I probably did, I was at brownies, you know, like girl scouts yeah. and things like. I did cheerleading, and I had to give that all up um, instantly. Mm-hmm. That massive change from doing so many things to just being left with nothing. And so that's kind of where I've um, had to try and try and find my passion for other find other things to do. But mentally, I think as I've got older, I do um, I have I do have you know depression and anxiety, and um, from a few like hospital experiences, I do have things like PTSD, mm. which is very fun. Um, and sometimes it's things like that I kind of don't I talk, I talk about, but I don't really go into. But I mm. would you know mentally. Having my medical condition has simply massively affected me. Um, I have days where I'm just, you know, when my health's not good, that's a massive for me to just feel rubbish. Mm. Um, and so I find that my mood, obviously I have days where I just feel rubbish and don't really have a reason why. Yeah. But I do find that having my medical condition and having a bad day medical-wise is a massive, massive reason that my mood changes or really mm or um, fall into kind of like a depression and things like that. So, yeah, I'd be lying if I said like, yeah, every day I'm positive. It doesn't really affect me. I just try and make the most of every day, but yeah. that's definitely affected me quite a lot. I'm so glad I asked that, and you're so, so open about it, and I think a lot of people straight away judge from what they can see and will take that physical, um, that physical pain and that physical health side of things and take that for what it is and they may be understanding on that but I think that just proves that you really don't know what's going on on the inside and that actually you your physical health is just as important as your mental health and they work together um to kind of define who you are as a person and your general health um 
Uh, and you're so so open about that and I'm so glad that we got to talk about obviously the podcast is called it's good to talk because it's good to talk about how you're feeling and your mental health and um so I'm I'm really glad that um I asked you that obviously you mentioned about your childhood and how you felt like it was almost taken from you in an instant obviously I'm sure you've been able to understand that and understand why that had to happen um now but at the age of six or the age of eight ten twelve that must have been really hard for your brain to actually process and understand why you weren't allowed to you know participate in these things how was it for you how did you mentally adapt to having to understand why these things were happening how how was that journey for you from six to where you are now to mentally understanding why everything happened as it did yeah so when I was six um you know so many scans and um mm. hospital appointments and seeing so many things and I genuinely had no idea what was going on I literally thought I had something like a cold and it would just go away yeah cups to make sure that I was okay mm. just have you know medicine or something that would make it make me better again really. yeah um, and when I was, um, I remembered that, like, I was just in my bathroom, like, um, just washing my face, and I literally just, when my appearance started changing more, just got a flat, started, like, scrubbing my face, because I couldn't, I didn't understand the fact that mm. it was, my appearance was changing, and it, the fact that I couldn't deal with the fact that it was changing, I just, it, I was so confused by it all, because, yeah. you know, you're, as, as a six-year-old, I mean, you know barely anything about the world really yeah Um, and let alone really anything medically Mm. I was so confused that I just I had no idea what was going on and I could only you know as I started having more operations I I said that it was not a quick fix and this is my life was changing and this was going to be for a long time and how it still is now but um it was really really hard for me to cope with as I've grown up I've obviously you know, now I've learned just how much it affects me. Like, I could, I do kind of feel like I could be a nurse for the amount that I know about hospitals. <laughs> um, but when I was six and eight and, you know, ten and all of that age, I I definitely felt quite, like, ostracised. And although I learned more and grew up, even when I was hospital appointments, you know, those things that doctors would be saying to me, you know, although I, like, nodding and, like, you know, you know kind yeah. of agree. I still kind of going in one ear and out the other. I still didn't yeah. understand what was going on, um, and so it was kind of like I I just had to go along with a lot of things, you know, to obviously help make me better. Yeah, really quite knowing what they were for, what they were doing, and things like that. And as I've got older, and obviously I've learned much more. But yeah, it was scary, and I think also very confusing because it yeah. was. For my parents because they didn't really know about ABMs. There was barely any the information that there was was scary information. Yeah. You know, today there's a lot better information and we've got a lot of really good information on the website, my charity. Yeah. Uh, because they didn't even really know much about ABMs themselves, it was hard for them to kind of get to grips with it, let alone um, explain it to me. And so it was just very confusing over time although I kind of tried to accept it I still didn't understand what accept it yeah a hundred percent 
And I'd be really interested to know as well, obviously you've kind of, because of your condition, you've fallen into this career um, that you have now, which I'm sure you absolutely love, but that probably wouldn't have been in the picture when you were younger and when, before this all kind of happened, before you made your channel and stuff like that. When you were younger, what was there other jobs and career paths that you wanted to go down and what were they? So I'd always been a very, very, um, I loved role play, you know, even if I had like, if I had any time in the world, I'd still go, go towards role play role play and I had a super short attention span and so role play and kind of creating my own world was my escapism and the thing that I kind mm. of loved when I was little yeah um, when I was little I actually wanted to be um even when I was like um even before I you know any difference yeah any other, I actually wanted to be um any doctor but so um because even when I was like I like love the idea of makeup and things like that so I um uh, these days and a makeup artist on the weekends so <laughs> I got a break um, and got <laughs> a doctor on weekdays because I saw it as I wanted to make people feel better and um, within them physically and mentally and I wanted to be a makeup artist to make people feel more confident with it which is quite cute um, I wanted to be like you know I loved baking and I loved everything like that I was obsessed with like Master Chef Great British, Great British Bake Off and the cooking shows and so I also wanted to be a chef like, I had like a wooden like kitchen set which I was obsessed with when I was younger I used to always pretend like I had my own restaurant um, and so I wanted to be so many things I was most happy when I was kind of creating my own world um, but I definitely knew I wanted to do something that was to make people feel better whether it was a doctor a chef you know obviously because I find that personally whenever I make food it kind of just food is a massive social thing I think yeah. um, it, whether that would be a chef or um, a makeup artist or a doctor I knew I wanted based around people if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah I think as well maybe you've learned that actually you can make people feel better physically and mentally yeah. in different ways you know through social media and influencing and having a positive role model to look up to like you people will be able to actually take that from it without you actually having to do that kind of a career I think there are other careers that allow that to happen so, so maybe that you have been able to fulfill that not that direct career but the aim for it yeah, you've been able to to find no I totally agree with that and I think what's been really nice is that um you know I have people that don't have you know a lot of people who have ABMs have actually found my videos which is amazing um but it's also that people just with illnesses or chronic illnesses or mm-hmm. you have a family member in hospital or who's, who are in hospital quite a lot or even go to the as me, they kind of, I think sometimes you're constantly seeing these people with amazing lives on social media. Yeah. And you like there's someone that you can relate to or you feel like, you know, with the cards that you're dealt with, they achieve your dreams or want to. And I yeah. feel like, appreciate the fact that I'm someone who's a teenager and who's able to the things that I have so far but who also has school and who has a career and has had lots of operations and still does and I think that's what's been really nice is that people have found someone that's you know around their age that's done some of the 
they want to do in their future, but it's also someone that they feel like they can relate to. You know, they're not like presenting a cookie cutter image of you know they should what you should look like or what your life should be like. Yeah. For most people, especially when faced with a lot of hardship or have a condition. I think as well, there's a lot of social pressure as soon as you gain any sort of a following or any sort of responsibility. Now, you know, it doesn't matter how many followers you've got, but um, someone like you who's got a massive platform to deliver this responsibility that you've been put on your shoulders, which it's not a negative um, but it, it is a pressure um, and, and that has different effects to it. Same with me having to, you know, you build on this persona of mental health and you've got to really show that, um, you know, you have good days and bad days. And I'll, I'll say that I'm completely honest on my social medias and my stories and I'll say, do you know what? I feel rubbish today. So I'll see you all in a couple of days. Or do you know what? I'm going to turn notifications off or I'm going to put my phone away so no replies. And and that's not for any attention. I always say I am fine. Like I don't I don't need anyone's help. I am fine. But I'm just telling you that if you're yeah. feeling rubbish as well, don't worry about it because I am. Yeah. It is it is a relatable, and I think when there needs to be more of that. And when I do see that on an influencer story, it's like oh well, they're struggling as well. That 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 yeah. makes me feel like I'm not the only one, and that there are other people even in the public eye, and that have that are very lucky and I think it makes you feel like you may be very lucky but you can still struggle and I think people forget that 100% and I do feel like these days like you know there's still a long way to go but I feel like people are so much more honest about you know their and things that they've had to deal with and how they you know body image things that they've had to go through Mm. which I think is so so amazing and so important especially for I think you know the younger generation yeah okay and to need to take that break and to need to just recharge your batteries and take some time to yourself because I feel like just like a year ago you know the conversation was around mental health was still such like a stigmatized and almost like taboo. yeah yeah 100% so I think it's amazing I think that's a massive positive of social media is that it's yeah. given it started a conversation that I don't know if it would have been as big as it um, without um the use of social media and people yeah. speak about it and spread the word. A hundred percent. I mean, I maybe three, four months ago, I te- I, I I just turned off um, Instagram notifications for a couple of days, yes. and then sh- and felt better. But then you do this thing where you just go back to it and you turn it back on. It all goes back to normal, and you go back into this state, whatever that is, and then maybe about a month ago now I turned them back off and I've just kept them off since and I've loved that I've been able to just go into it when I want to go into it and and come off it when I want to come off it and I'm not going to have that draw when it says someone's message or someone's commented or something you click on it and you go and then you're in Instagram and you're scrolling through and you think hang on a second how did I get it um yeah what have I been doing for the last hour on TikTok like it's just ridiculous the day goes like that and so I think only going into it when you want to go into it and have that free time um, makes it a more a a lot more accessible and I've personally loved that so for people maybe who are listening who are thinking oh social media's you know driving me insane just turning off notifications you don't need to delete the app you don't need to do anything like that but just turn notifications off so that you haven't got that draw every five minutes notifications on and I found that a massively helpful thing mm. uh, 
And I also, that's the thing, is on, I don't know if it's on other uh, phones, but on an iPhone, there's a thing, um, I think it's, I don't know what it's called, actually, I don't know why I just said that, but um, you can, but downtime, I think, is what it's called, and you yeah. can um, select a time, you can be all day, and mm. however, but all of your kind of social apps, especially, um, you're not able to access them, mm. which I think useful, because sometimes, you know, you don't even get an information, and you just find your literally just your phone mm-hmm. and you just there's not even anything to check you just still go on it you go on tiktok and just kind of scroll mm-hmm. endlessly you know I think also we have a massive thing our generation about checking our phones yeah and I don't think we even know what we're checking Exactly. But but we seem to just be going in onto the apps to just check things and we don't yeah. know what we're checking I think that takes up a lot of time um and and, and you know, yeah, like you said, you know, social media's had so many positives. I mean, since you were diagnosed, you know, you have won lots of awards, um, which is absolutely incredible. You know, the Pride of Britain, um, the Emmy, um, the BAFTA, Sony Moore, you're an ambassador for organisations, you've got your own TV show, and we are definitely coming on to the fact soon that you won the Junior Bake Off. Uh, I, I was downstairs um, making pancakes uh, about an hour ago. And I thought, right, I've got to eat these quick because I'm doing a podcast with basically baking royalty in a minute. So they're going to look disgusting and ridiculous and that'll be embarrassing. (laughs) You know, I'm actually awful at pancakes. Like, you know how, like, the first one is, like, the worst one? Like, my pancakes, like, the first one is all the way through. You know, I'm just awful. You're just rubbish on all of them. I'm sure you're not. Um, now obviously you have had all these achievements um, and, and you know we said how you know it can feel like it's all, we're almost talking about a different person because you forget that you know what we're talking about is you um, are you proud of what you've done? I am I think I don't when I think about it and when you were kind of like saying listing all the things that mm. I overcome it is a sort of pinch me thing like yeah. I Yeah. After that, and although it's still, you know, a massive deal, I kind of just return to normality and it's just something yes. that's happened. But when you kind of like that, or I'm in, a, in a, um, I'm in a situation where, you know, they're listed or they're brought up, it is quite crazy to think about it, especially because of where I've come where I am now. I think that whole journey to think where I am now is insane. I am proud of myself. I think the way I normally see it is I you know, I always say to people, like, you know, people call me brave and inspirational. I never really like being called that. I just see it as, you know, I would do anyone would do But I guess, you know, there were some people that, if they were in my team, they wouldn't do No. Um, and I think I've just tried to make the most out of that situation and kind of just be a positive and uh, positive source of, kind of escapism for people that are having a hard day or just are going through some of the things to what I am or just having um you know hardship that they're going through yeah definitely I mean like took their day to escape from the Mm -hmm. so I'd say I'm proud of myself but I don't think I remind myself enough of Mm -hmm. you know the I've done and you mentioned there about having an escapism and when I was on BBC radio the first time they you know I 
I, I talked to 100% about how my podcast, the idea of it was a, a, an escape from modern society. Because I think modern society is so full of negativity. The news, everything to do with coronavirus has a bad spin put on it. I, I can't read it. it. It stresses me out so much and it is so negative. And I think modern life, there are so many positive things, but that's not what's in the press. It's all the negativity. Um, and I think that's why I said you know, it is an escape from modern life for people. They can take a step out of their homework there whatever they're doing and just have a listen and just feel related to and I listen to podcasts when I go to bed every single night um I absolutely love it it it's 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 part of my routine now you know I I rely on having that and I because I have um autism you lack a hormone called melatonin um so I have to take melatonin as medication Um, do you as well (laughs) Um, so I take my melatonin, I put my podcast on, I maybe go and do a little bit of skincare in the bathroom before and then, you know, go to bed and then you feel like you're going to bed on and actually all you're focusing on is what the podcast is saying and not actually um, what what's going on up here because yeah. we overthink everything and especially when you're sat there at night, you've got that half an hour before you get to sleep to think about it. I mean, what podcast are you like listening to you? Massive campaign yes. of mental health, and I interviewed her for Nikki Lily Meets, and we had a massive, really open and honest discussion about mental health. Mm. And I'm not sure what hers is called, um, but I really love her um, podcast. She um, even did with Prince Harry, which I really enjoyed, um, oh, which yeah. was health and things like that, which is really interesting. Because obviously, you know, it's amazing celebrities do podcasts and yeah, and you know, talk about. place i'm hoping to speak to fern actually because my um my nan's best friend is fern's auntie so i have a few connections to fern so hopefully she'll come on soon um happy place is amazing yeah Gordon's Mad World. Yeah, that's it. There we go. Yeah, I thought I'd find it. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely love Happy Place as well. I mean, a couple I listen to. I absolutely love um, oh, Elizabeth Day's podcast. Oh, um, I need to, oh my gosh, you're going to have to send me a whole list of them. Do you know what? I, I am all over podcasts, but Elizabeth's Day one is, I'm going to have to find out what it's called. I'm literally on Spotify now. How to Fail. And it's amazing. And she gets celebrities to give free failures that they've had in life. And they talk about them. And um, 
I love a singer called Mabel, and she was on that podcast, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, that was really good. Um, and then, uh, what else is there? Table Manners with Jessie Ware. Table Manners, actually. Yeah, that's another one. It's really good. Uh, yeah, Jessie's mum, Lenny, who's on it, follows me, and I was like, oh, my God, because I love that podcast. Um what else there's um for for young people jd in the duffel bag that's a really good podcast oh i've heard of that one yeah that's really good that's um jd's podcast there is one i listen to called private parts which is with jamie lang and francis ball yeah i mean depends how old you are to listen to that one but it's it is hilarious and um Yeah. Like instant mood booster, I think. Yeah, definitely. And and then there's another one that is Jamie Lang and Spencer Matthews and that is called Six Degrees and that's on BBC Sounds. Um, um that one actually. That's really good. And and they um they have to reach a celebrity in six phone calls. And oh, um yeah. so that, yeah, the theory is that they're only six calls away from any celebrity. So they call celebrities in between to get to the bigger celebrity. And it's really good. That's really funny. Who are they trying to find at the minute? Thierry Henry. That's who they're trying to find at the minute. Um, hey, uh, yeah. Clever. I need to check these all out. Because I was literally thinking, like, I need some new podcasts to watch. Mm. Um, because I'm basically at the point where I'm really listening to a podcast yeah. like, I don't know what other ones to listen to so that's perfect I've got a few yeah numbers. yeah Elizabeth's day one uh, Elizabeth's day's one is is amazing that's really really good on my tissue next day <laughs> um right um now I want you to talk about um AVM uh, butterfly AVM charity um, obviously that's something that's so so close to your heart and so important um for you so for the people who don't know what it is how can I get involved? What's the aim of um, the charity? What has it achieved? Why did you set it up? You know, you you sell the charity for us. So I basically set up the charity when I was nine years old with mm-hmm. my parents because there was such little information on AVMs online. Um, mm-hmm. My my mum and dad went and kind of do a bit more research into it because although the doctor said to my mum and dad and me you know, that I had an AVM, they didn't really go into it much or explain really what it was or how it can change your life. And so when they were trying to um, find out more, the things that came up were just very scary. Um, One of the most common AVMs is a brain AVM and some of the things that you can get brain brain AVM are very scary. Mm. And that, they were just inundated with scary side effects, Uh complications. Negatives. yeah, exactly. And so we we're kind of trying to be a um, a useful and not scary source of information for people. Mm. And you know, maybe if they're really known or they feel like they don't um, know very much about the and the condition they've got, and um, or even as like a family member or a friend who wants to learn more about them, yeah, and maybe that. Um, one of their loved ones has, or even just a normal person that doesn't have an idea but wants to learn about it, 
Um, and so we kind of wanted to be that uh, point of call and source of information for people. So that you know they weren't they did, weren't in the same situation that we felt like we were in when we were trying to do some more research into it. Yeah. It also because there is no cure currently for ABMs, um, unfortunately, we also um, obviously raise awareness for ABMs because they are so rare, but also try and raise into finding a cure for ABMs. Uh-huh. So um, we fund research at the uh, UCLH um, hospital um, in London um, into research and things like that. And um, we've already heard so much. Um, you know, we've had people who have been on trial drugs. Um, you know, we have found the genetic mutation that causes ABMs, which is really cool, which wow. you know, never would have been able to do otherwise. Yeah. And now we're to try because we've got that mutation now we're just kind of trying to try different drugs on this mutation to see if there's a difference what works and what doesn't and mm-hmm. hopefully it work and it is a very very slow process with things like that you know yeah. drugs like that um, and just seeing if anything works but we have come so far um, yeah. and it's nice because um, with OPMs and with any really chronic illness and um, how common or uncommon it is you feel very alone isolated and yeah um you know my um you know my dad is someone that you know people can call and do if they have recently been diagnosed or just need to that understand um and so he's constantly on the phone with people um just helping them through uh, their AVM and kind of coping with it and giving them advice and health information and we also supply doctors all over the world who help treat ABMs and um, which has been really really useful for people you know because there are people there are people in India all over the world that cope with um, ABMs that maybe don't have the amount of sources as uh, maybe would in England or America and yeah. um, and so yeah we get at the point of call and information alone um, um, to raise awareness and funds for research and for ABMs and um, yeah, it's been amazing. We've raised, um, we've raised nearly um, three. We've raised like three quarters of a million pounds, which is insane. And uh, never did I ever get that far. And it's just amazing that we've been able to help people. I think because the last wanted is you know we set it up because we never wanted people that were being diagnosed with ABMs or going through ABMs to feel the way that we felt. Yeah, and it's like you know, going into everything blind and so yeah. scared and worried and uncertain. Um, and so we, we didn't want that to happen to anyone else because we know how awful it felt. So we kind of tried the source of everything at AVMs and just help people out and be there for people that are struggling. I mean, that is really amazing. Like, honestly, you, you should be so proud of how much you've done how we talked about but the fact that you've actually been able to you know change people's lives change your own life and really you know take a massive medical and scientific step um, because your hard work is absolutely amazing um now I wondered what you know your biggest pinch yourself moment has been so far I mean you've had some incredible moments but what has been the one moment where you've gone whoa is this real I think Yeah. Because with the back, um, I was the youngest ever recipient, and they usually give it to people who kind of, um, have done a lot of their career and who are slightly older. And so, yeah, 
the fact that they chose me to recognise me was insane. Never even something that I thought, you know, would happen. Like, it was like summer last year, I got a message through the post, and it was like, and um, we would love to um, um, give you this award, um, call to accept. And it was really weird, because it's like, who wouldn't accept this award? But then yeah. people up like, no, I don't want it. Um, so <laughs> after a mantelpiece, and it's like, you, you know, I walk into my living room, and I stand, it's, every time I walk in, it's a picture yeah. of my, like it's mine. Um, and so when I did the, I was the last person doing the speech on the day that um, the Buffy Kids um, Awards were in December. Yeah. So nerve-wracking and a massive pinch me moment. Um, but I definitely say when I received the award and just watched the whole video that came before me receiving it, that was such a massive pinch me yeah. moment. Yeah. Also with because um, who knew that like I never ever when I was filming the My Life about my life thought that it would even be recognised by some, anyone, let yeah. alone Emmy and Emmy. And so the fact that about my life and about, you know, the hardships of living with a, um, an illness, but, you know, how you can turn those things into positives and a bit. Yeah. Because it really made like, you know, validated most, like, you know, what I was doing was good. And sometimes, you know, when you do that kind of thing, am I doing what's right, you know, when you're having a bad day? Um, and even if you, I'm not feeling myself, you can kind of question that. Yeah. Like, worth it. Um, but also when I won Junior Bake Off, that was a massive thing because it just, it, that was a dream. And all the way through, I never ever thought like I was good enough. Um, I, even if I did well, I always was like, yep, I'm, I'm going out. And so when I actually won it, it was a massive thing because I worked so hard for that. And it was yeah. like, worked for and done myself. Um, and it just showed that even the stuff that you're faced with in life you can still achieve things and do just as much as a person you know who's you know average um, yeah also like I, a mass, I think it's with all the literally meets you know massive pinching moments when I've interviewed people um, and it you know I do have to pinch myself that some of the people I've interviewed you know I've now become friends with so like yeah I'm really good friends with Jane Oliver and I did my year 10 work with him so it's like that's mad it was really funny because my friends would be like, so, guys, what are you doing for parents? And then I wouldn't want to say because I don't want to seem like I'm not a person at all. And then they'd be like, so, Nikki, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, work experience with Jamie Oliver. But, yeah, friends with people that I've interviewed and the people that I've interviewed and the fact that I have an interview series and, you know, and, you know the fact that I'm releasing a book on... October, something that I also didn't ever think I was going yeah. to do. You know, every time I do something, it's a massive pinch me moment. But yeah. I say that for sure, and also probably when I make it to YouTube. So yeah, there are some I could go on and on and on. Um, and you say about you know being able to make friends with the people you've interviewed, and you know I, I can definitely say the same. I did um um an interview with um to people on TikTok who I, I just came across them on the For You page and they've got 23k and I just thought do you know what I'm just going to message them and see you know they were they're, they're really good dancers so I thought I'm just going to message them and see if they want to come on and chat and you know I've been able to be really good friends with them and the Mersey girls from Britain's Got Talent I'm really good friends with them and you know I'm sure we'll keep in contact and stuff like that so it it has been amazing to to almost have a, a separate social life from my friends with that set of people that kind of understand the industry as well it's nice to have people that kind of can relate to you about yeah how to kind of 
explain to your friends and your family kind of what you do and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that you can kind of talk to about TV and social yeah. media that kind of get it a little bit more too. I think also a lot of people don't understand that it is actually a job. Like, it's not just exactly. a hobby. Like, you know, I, I'm not earning Kylie Jenner amounts. I'm not, nothing like that. But it's a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a commitment. And I think when I'll be like, oh, sorry, I can't meet you because I've got a podcast. They're like, well, just, just, can you just cancel it? It's like, no, it's like quite important. Like, it, it is my job. I can't just turn around and say no I think people do forget that so when you're talking to adults and young people like you who are also in this industry you understand you've got to kind of make those sacrifices for things I think people don't see it as that all the time which is an interesting one to explain not even in a bad way they just don't get it um um now obviously you mentioned about um the bake-off um which I wanted to talk to and then we'll talk about your book um but um you know, baking is something you love. What was that push for you to apply? Because I'm sure there were things in the way that you thought, should I, should I not? What was the drive? I think I had been baking for so long, and I'd always help my mum when I was um, to bake when I was younger. You know, before I had my condition, I loved baking. I loved the kind of whole process where you can turn, you know, ingredients into a, a whole dessert. Yeah, I really loved that. It's magical. Um, and so baking was actually probably the first um, passion that I really found after I got diagnosed and had everything up. And although I was kind of passionate for it, had passion for it um, even before I was, I really kind of found that passion and pursued that passion when I got diagnosed. Um, and so I think it was that, you know, the more I baked, the harder the things I baked got and the more kind of self-independent I got baking those things. Yeah. Um, the more kind of it's um the more I'd sort of try new things and experiment and things like that mm-hmm. and so the more I did that kind of over the years the better I got at baking but I never ever thought I was good enough I just didn't um and I was so worried that you know even if I did apply that in and I feel really not embarrassed but kind of like I feel like it would make me kind of lose my love of baking if that makes sense because I'd kind of feel like oh oh they didn't you know um and I just was too scared. I thought, you know, I I always had that. that I'd, even if I did the first, I would definitely not get through and things like that. And I just had a massive kind of heap of self-doubt about that. And yeah. so um, what happened is I was kind of speaking to my auntie about it. And um, I made some cupcakes and went to visit her and I brought some around. And... Um, while she was like eating my cupcakes and we were just chatting and she knew that you know a dream of mine was to go on junior bake-off because i'd watched it since it had started yeah and my favorite shows um she knew that it was a time but i never thought i was good enough and she was like you know you should really just apply because you're not you know losing anything it, it's better if you're applying because you know you can only actually be on junior bake-off when it was on cbbc till the age of um 12 and she was right. like you know get older one day and think what if you know what if I did apply yeah happened um and so the applications had um they finished for that year but it's a reminder for the next year when the next applications came around yeah so she told me when that the applications came to just apply um so that's what I did and then I got through that round um you know I filled out the application actually just not thinking anything of it yeah that, Thing to do, um, and so when I got through that round, it was so cool. And then I got through because you have about 
three rounds. Right. Um, when I got through all of them, it was just a massive pinch of moment because I was like, I'm close to actually being on yeah. one of my favourite shows. And so then, um, obviously, there are four different rounds that you go through because you have like your heat one um which is your first heat and then you have the quarterfinal and then the semi and the final yeah um, so the whole time I just never thought I was good enough and um even if I did like really well I just still thought there was someone that was going to get through and that did better than me in my head I was always uh-huh. putting... yeah um and so when I did win it was such a shock like when I watch back when they announced it like my face just drops and even my you know my family's faces just drop because we never <laughs> I would win something like that not because I I mean I didn't think that, but just because it was such a dream it almost felt like it was something that was on its own yeah each and do and so when it did happen like it kind of all just led up to someone my auntie kind of just pushing to it yeah um, kind of logically, basically looking at it, and if you, you know, you don't want to have regrets, and you know, you should just do it and push yourself and do something different because, after all, it is your dream, and you know, you will get to the stage where if you don't, you will think, what if, when you're, you know, too old to go on it, um, and so yeah, I think it was just that push really spurred me on be applying for it differently. I think, and and. Obviously, you know, you talk about how, you know, you had that self-doubt. Do you think there was also a part of you that thought, what if, you know, what if I'm on television and people are going to judge me for the way I look? Do you think Um, that was also a massive part of of, of saying no in your head? Because you were, that was that extra step of putting yourself out there. Yeah, massively, especially because um, kids are a lot more curious then I think adults are, and there's yeah. nothing wrong, but um, sometimes kids don't really have much and can judge you a bit more, I found, um, and so I was very worried about that, and I'd, I had dealt, um, since my, having my condition, with, you know, being out in public and being really uncomfortable because I've got people staring at me, and mm. so I just was very, very worried about what people would think, and it's one of my first things that I'd done on TV, really, aside from, at the same time as doing uh, Junior Bake Off, I was also filming my first My Life, and those were the only two uh, TV things that I'd done for CBBC. Yeah. So, I was still very new to TV and very nervous about what people would think about Mm -hmm. me, because, I mean, now when I do stuff for CBBC and things, people kind of know about, know that I look different. Yeah. just kind of know who I am and see me as more than just the girl with they see me as Nikki but yeah. they didn't really know my story didn't really know about me and so like, that was a massive factor um, as to why I was nervous to do it and also it was a massive factor I think to because when um, do junior bake obviously you meet all of the people that are in your rounds beforehand and so I was really nervous about pe- meeting people and I yeah. feel like it held me back from um you know, being able to fully embrace I was and be myself in front of people. I definitely up to the people, you know, in like uh, this final, uh, the three people that I, I mean, the two other people that I was with, you know, we got on really well and they kind of just understood because we'd spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Um, but definitely um, in the first episode, especially that I was on, I felt very, very introverted and because they didn't know why I looked different and I kind of felt like it was the elephant in the room and although I you know mm. didn't speak about it I just felt very nervous about that and yeah. I, 
was actually I think the only person in the whole series that kind of had a visible difference. So um, yeah, I was very nervous about that, but everyone's really lovely. So it was a burst in my head, but I do think also that that you know that being one of my issues that I was worried about did probably hold me back from being able Mm. to feel I was. I mean, obviously for completely different reasons to you, but even just something like going and, you know, meeting new people is a hard thing and being put into a group of people you don't know. And and I've, you know, I'm so much more better at that now and I love meeting people. I thrive off of chatting to new people. But, you know, for example, when I joined my secondary school, which was... So year nine finishes today. So two years ago maybe so yeah so this is only my second that was only my second year in in the school so the first year I joined I was the only person from my little school in that class the rest of the class all went to the same school so everybody knew each other apart from me and it feels horrible because you know you do feel like you you are literally sticking out like a thumb um people know you're there but they're not really going to address it um, and it's that kind of awkward tension and I was just like do you know what I'm just gonna go for this and I was just like yeah like I'm Harrison like it, it, I just it, there's such a to be about talking to new people and the new kid and the newbie and I just didn't see it as that and now I'm a lot more how can I put this um I talk to a lot more people and uh, yeah, I, I, put yourself in that kind of uncomfortable situation and push yourself in order yeah. to kind of pass that barrier yeah into- that's exactly what I needed. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> um, now, I did want to touch... Uh, I got um, some people to send in some questions and um, I saw some really good ones that got sent in. But I did want to touch on your book. Now, it's called um, Come On Life, High Lows and How to Live Your Best Teen Life. What's the book about? Why did you want to write it? How long has this process been? And for the people who don't know, when is it coming out and where can I get it? to write common life is I feel like a lot of teenage kind of nice books and almost slightly autobiographical books are yeah. kind of from an adult's perspective of what they were like as a teenager um, right. if that makes sense and I felt like there aren't many books written by teens for teens you know mm. teens that are currently going through being a teen yeah. and I, you know I am an average teenager but I also not have the average life yeah um, I felt like I kind of had um, a lot of um I hate to say it but I guess a lot of wisdom to kind of share yeah um, and I you know have gone through very different things to think of I also worry about the same things I worry about you know I think about what people think about me I worry about um boyfriends and all of you know yeah what people think about uh-huh. like, you know, exam stress, stress yeah Yeah. So I 
talk about, you know, how to make friends because I, um, like you, really, really struggled my first year of um, school. And uh-huh. I won really from my school um, that yeah. came from school. Uh-huh. And my, uh, my appearance and looking different was a massive, massive barrier for me. You know, most days I'd literally fall and get into my mum's car and just start crying, you know, when she picked me up because mm-hmm. I felt so lonely and so, like, you know, like I said. Isolated. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, I wanted to talk about that, but I also wanted to help people, you know, um, that felt like me um, and are worried about that. That maybe in year six or in year seven or even going to year eight or just want to make friends. Yeah. And starters, you know, do or talk about, um, but also other ways that they can make friends. You know, join clubs, things like that. But I also talk about you know the world of social media and um, you know my experience with that and. Um, also, if you want to start a channel and things like that about it, um, and you know, obviously, how to be safe on the internet and yeah. how to cyberbullying and bullying person, um, how to deal with hardships in your family, um, and kind of talk to your family about things that may be on your mind, you know, maybe things yeah. that you're mental health and you feel like you don't really have anyone to talk to, how to approach that. Subject. It can be a hard thing to actually speak about, and yeah. Actually um, for the first time when you're struggling so yeah. you know topic so so many different things everything really um, mm-hmm. and I I feel like I never really looked like that I feel like now there are a lot more books like that kind of coming out but when I was kind of start in which was a few years I like I didn't really have that and a lot of the books like I said were kind of by adults and yeah. that one very kind of easy read like you could pick up and you didn't need to kind of it wasn't very but you could kind of read the whole thing you're kind of going through a certain issue you could pick up and go to that right information about it to help you out in that situation so um, coming out the 1st of October um, and um, I'm really excited the whole process has taken a long long time we've kind of worked on it since July last year so about a year now right um, I wrote the whole book during uh, the uh, summer of last year, uh-huh. um, and it's just been proving over and over and over, and uh, you know, uh, different covers, and uh, you know, leading up to the right cover, and yeah. the, you know, I'm very, very, very much a perfectionist, so there are lots of times mm, yeah. that I'm like this, and I was like, no, <laughs> do you like this? So I was like, no, but I'm, I just want to. <laughs> was perfect and just how I wanted it so it's been a lot of kind of you know writing my notes and sending it back writing my notes and sending it back yeah and it back and then readjusting and things like that but it's been such an interesting experience it has been stressful at times but it's been so interesting um it's also kind of like think about things and address I've not really thought about in ages and yeah. I love uh, giving people advice like, like something that I just I love helping people you know and I'm is the greatest but I just like being able to help people that you know yeah. loss and like they don't really have anyone to turn to and so mm. I feel like my, I hope that my book can be the kind of um tangible form of that really uh, I'm just very excited I hope that people love it as I do and I just hope that it can help a lot of people going through struggles who feel alone and you know feel like they can't speak to people about how they're feeling but know that you know so many people feel the way that they do a hundred percent. Um, and I, I'm definitely going to get it when it comes out. And I, I 
live with um, my stepsister who is 10 and who is in year six and we'll be going into year seven. I think that will be such a perfect book um, for her. So I'm definitely going to get that for her for sure um, when it comes out. So it sounds absolutely um, amazing. Um, now, there are a couple of questions um, that people set in. So I thought I'll ask them on to the last segment of the podcast, which is called The Youth Booth, which we do every every episode. So I'll explain about that in a minute. Um, but someone um, asked, and I thought it's great to address um, how you've kind of dealt um, or how people can deal with online bullying and trolling. Yeah. Yeah. When I got to me a lot more because, um, you know, I was younger and was very, very, I still very sure, but I just didn't, hadn't been exposed to that before. And so, yeah. you know, I was questioning myself, you know, people were like, you know, I was still trying to accept myself and accept my appearance changing. And so I was constantly, you know, when people say, you're ugly, you know, you're a monster, things like that. I was like, am I? Am I? You know, you start You question to- yourself. And I think the first thing that's so, so, so important is to tell someone you trust because yeah. a one-off comment um, on a video or a picture or a one-off message that you get from someone, it's so important to tell someone mm. um, you know, that's a parent um, or um, someone at your school that you trust or a yeah. friend um, or a sibling, just tell someone that you trust because it's so important and things yeah. can get worse. Um, and so it's really important that someone's aware of it so that they can help you if things if um, things do get but worse. Yeah. It's very important to um, obviously um, you know take receipts of um, the people that are sending you the, um, to show you people. Um, yeah. Um, but also um, make sure to block that person, but not block them. Report comment because yeah. that is so important. Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is firstly for them to get away with it because it's not okay at no. um and you know you whatever they're saying not at all okay and you should not believe that at all a lot of people as hard as it is to um kind of believe it a lot of people that hate are insecure and unhappy in their own lives yeah use hating on other people as a way to kind of feel fulfilled and validated and less insecure and less um unhappy within their own lives you know they think oh yeah I'm, I'm gonna make this person feel bad you know and so I'll feel better and happier in my day and you know and I just think like when you think about it like that it's sad it's really yeah, sad yeah yeah are that unhappy in their lives and they feel like doing something like that and feel the need and that's their only way that they can feel happy in life you know it's really sad and, so, and you've said before as well about you know and um, it says more about that person than it does really, about you. Uh, more about that person because who? What genuinely happy person would feel the need to do something like exactly? That? Um, yeah. And it's so so important to remember that it says so much more about them, and um, it's nothing to do with you. And it's really really important to report them because the last obviously them to send you something again um, yeah. after things but also to send not very nice things to other people as well so yeah. make sure you support them um, that's a massively important thing because then the platform that they've done that thing on um, can obviously um, and you know people that uh, you know have um, commented on my things and then when the platform have checked um, them they've also uh, found out that 
Yeah. So it's super important that you do that, but just Mm -hmm. try your best to remember that it's really, really not about you. It's so hard. It's really hard because even if you tell yourself that, it is so much more easier said than done. Um, But I do think that, um, you know, over time, I've learned that it's it's just sad and cowardly that, you know, they think Mm. that they're untouchable because they are sending you messages behind and they feel like that is their yeah. shield yeah. and to hide behind because most of those people if not all of them never ever say those things to you in person if they saw you on the street um, and so just know that know that it's not just you like you know everyone goes yeah. through hate most beautiful person in the world and you would still get hate you know mm. people just you know sad people unfortunately love to hate and it's really sad but it's so so important because of that to you know try your best to value the positive comments more and yeah it's very to have a hundred positive comments or 99 positive comments yeah and one Mm. and you kind of just forget all about nine and we're just zooming on that one um but it's so so yeah completely agree you rationalize and think logically and think that you you got all of these people that support you and just this person and unhappy and it is very important to tell someone because um mm. things can get worse and it can be hard to deal with and so it's important to get someone uh, like an adult's um help and make situation i mean and also for me because like i kind of put myself out there and the same with you you were putting yourself out there it's yeah. bad that we even have to think of it but you kind of do think i'm gonna have to expect the hate it's bad that we should even have to expect it but you do you just have to expect it and um and it doesn't really get to me in an emotional way in, in the sense of it makes me upset it doesn't anymore I mean it, you, you like you've said before you know I'd be lying if I if one of them didn't make me feel a bit rubbish but you know I don't take it all to heart luckily I you know I have been able to grow that thick skin I think it even makes me more annoyed than upset it, you know it just makes me well like are you joking like yeah how rude yeah, and, and I got one the other day that was, it really made me laugh. Something about um, posting a picture with an ice cream every other day is not going to make you famous. You can stop while you're at it. And I was literally just like, I d- fame's not in the picture for me, so that's not even, I, I don't go around going, I want to be famous. Two, uh, the thing that just made me even more annoyed than anything else was I was like, but there isn't any pictures on my Instagram with ice cream. <laughs> so I was literally just like, they don't even know who they're talking about. They they just messaging around a few. And I just thought, Do you know what? It actually made my day more than annoyed me anything else because I just found it so funny. But a lot of people aren't able to do that and do take it to heart. And so I think that's why we're going to say those things. Right, um, one more question. I really like this question is, what do you view the word influencer as? I think it's a very kind of taboo word. People are like, oh, don't call yourself an influencer. But what, what do you kind of see that word as? I mean, I personally also don't like the word. Um, but I think, personally, I view influencer as... I see myself as someone who has a positive influence over people. Um, yeah. And kind of help people feel... You know, just help people feel more positive. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to it is kind of a taboo thing so it's like oh you have influence over people mm. and it kind of it is it is a bit like that you know there are words that I prefer but I kind of see it as you can use it that you do have which is you know your followers and things like that yeah. for kind of how I see yeah. it I kind of see you know the followers that I have and you know 
interest that I do have as a positive one. Um, yeah. I think it's just that, um, and just being able to, I feel like through my channel, I've probably, um, you know, made a lot more kids open to um, people's appearance and things like that, and that's yeah. just, and so I think it's just, yeah, kind of influencing that, influencing the way you can think about things, bless you. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think it is a tabby word, tabby word, and I think there yeah. are words that are obviously nicer, but I think it's just important to kind of see it as, like, you can use the influence that you have, which is, like, so <laughs> you kind of influence the way that people see things and view things. It doesn't have yeah. to be negative, stigmatised word. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I think yeah, it's about it's about an influence and how you're using that influence yeah. as, as opposed to yeah, I completely agree. Um, now we're coming. We are now at the end of the podcast, but before we end, um, we do something called the youth booth. Now, the youth booth is a very important segment of the show where we ask all of our guests, even when we're at events or when I was at the TED Talks in London last year, um, to give us a positive quote or an inspirational message or something generally positive to um leave our guests um for the podcast feeling very happy um so what can you bring to the table today nikki oh gosh you really put me on the spot um, <laughs> but the quote that i live by which is in order to get the rainbow you have to go through the and i really Love believe that. that you have to go through the hard times in order to you know value the and get the good times and yeah it can hard when you're going through the dark times and the rain to feel like it's ever going to end and it can be really really hard but I think yeah. it's remember even in your darkest times and when you feel like you know the way you're feeling and what you're going through has been going on forever to remember that whether it's in a year whether it's in a day whether it's in a month you know however long it may be better are coming and I think it's so important to remember that even on your hardest days and I know firsthand how hard it is to kind of see the positives and things when you're just feeling really rubbish and feel yeah. like good in the world and yeah. just don't feel great but it is true better things are coming and it's yeah. so annoying that you have to wait it out and you want those better times now yeah but, and I promise you that what you're going through is worth it and it's really annoying but just remember you're not alone and um things will be okay won't be in the same place as one a year down the line. Yeah. Down the line. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, when I was at um, Mabel's concert um, in February, she said, appreciate the bad days because the bad days make the good days feel even better. And I absolutely love that. Uh, awesome. uh, and that's very, very similar to that. Um, look, Nikki, this is one of my favourite podcasts um, to record. Thank you so, so much for coming on this it was just so nice chatting to you you're so great at what you do thank you so much you're honestly such an inspiration and um like i say it's always about just having a conversation so um thank you so much for coming on listeners um you can stream this um on all the streaming um sites and check us out at nikki lily underscore on instagram and at harrison presenter um go and check there for any more details um this is the first episode of series four there's plenty much uh, to come you're kicking off the series nikki um <laughs> There's plenty more to come, um, and thank you so much for listening. Um, I always say in every episode, 85258, text SHOUT if you are struggling. They're there to help, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. I'm Harrison Gunn. I've had Nikki Lilly on, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye-bye. Best of luck. Best of luck. 
Best of luck. Dance with the dance boy.